the Music Meeting Festival Highlights CD. The Bronx River Parkway did Mas y Mas off of a compilation of music called Fallen Off the Reel. And we started off quite a bit ago with Omar Sosa and the Trace of Burning Stars. It's now time for the Living Writers Show. Thanks for listening to Freeform. If you want to hear more Freeform with me, it's next week at 2 o'clock. But for now, keep listening to WCBM. We got the Living Writers and we got the Sports Report and then Free Speech Radio News. So there's so much to listen to. Keep it tuned to 88.3. Hello, you're listening to WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. We're here with Sarah Dessen, author of a number of young adult novels, including her latest, which is coming out um, this week, Just Listen. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? Good. <laughs> it's pretty fun that we got to interview. We hadn't read this book um, when we contacted your publicist, and then it turns out to be about community radio, yes, which is I pretty know. much it's what we're doing here. Seems so. rather appropriate. It's <laughs> exciting to actually be doing something related to the book in a small way. Yeah, we'll play some she shanties under it. That would be good. <laughs> Anything, some water dripping, you know, whatever. Oh, we've got that. <laughs> we've got that. Water drums. Yeah. Do you want the water drums? Elephants making music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know. What do you, how do you want to start, Sarah? What's your first question? Um, okay. So, other Sarah, <laughs> what do you think about the current trends in young adult fiction, like um, the series that are very popular right now, Gossip Girl and stuff about like that. Gossip Girl, Click, stuff like that? Um, I, well, I've read, I read a lot of those, but I like so them. We, um, <laughs> we read all of them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's room in, in, in all genres for everything. You know what I mean? I know that the Gossip Girls have gotten a lot of bad press lately, it seems like. I know Naomi Wolf had something in the Times a couple of weeks back sort of saying they were so shocking. But, you know, there have always been books like that for teenagers, I think. You know, when I was in high school, it was like Forever by Judy Bloom was the book that was just, you know, everyone was shocked by, you know. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a place for all kinds of things, and I you know I think people worry about it more because it is a teenage audience, and and uh, I think a lot of times people don't give the readers the credit they deserve. You know that they they you know what they know what they're reading, and and they know the difference between fact and and you know fiction. So I, I think there's there's something for everyone out there, and that's why it's a really good time to be in YA because there is so much happening in the genre right now. We're like giving each other high fives over here Um, (laughs) because we're totally with you since we read those books and we're in our 20s. Um, So how do you feel like your books fit in with that trend? Because there are definitely some not I don't know if I want to say thematic elements, but plot elements that would be similar. But for some reason, it doesn't seem like your books get the kind of press those do. Maybe I mean, they have obviously have a lot more going on than maybe obviously a gossip girl. Right. But the plot elements are sometimes the same and could be taken as just as shocking. Right. I think, you know, I have a hard time knowing, like, where my books fit in, you know, <laughs> in terms of all the other books. I think, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I think there are some things that my books have in common with those books and that, you know, there are sort of, there are certain themes in the adolescent experience that are always going to be very common. You know, you have, like, the friend that you're not sure that you can trust and the hot guy that you really want and then you get him and maybe not he's he's not what you thought he was going to be you know like there are all those sort of things that that i think my books have in common with those books but at the same time i think those books definitely have more of a i don't know like sort of a polished edge to them you know like they 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 sort of are more they remind me more of like sex in the city and and more things like that whereas i think my books are 
I, I just don't think they're like that. But I, I'm the worst person in the world to ask what my books are, where they should be, <laughs> or anything. You know, I'm a terrible judge of my own books. I, I, I'm just reading a book right now that somebody blurbed saying that it was like my book. So that's why I'm reading it because I'm like, oh, is this what my books are like? <laughs> Which is so stupid. But you know, it's like it's hard for you to quantify your own yeah. work. I think. I don't know if I would describe those books as more polished than yours. If only I'm thinking of prose, perhaps. But yeah. <laughs> Polished? Does she use the word polished? I know. Yeah, well, I mean, polished meaning like, I don't know. I mean, I think because it's a series, too, it's a whole different thing. Because with my books, I have to really tie everything up at the end, you know. And I think Mm -hmm. when you're writing a series, you know, you have sort of that freedom to leave certain things going. And and you can revisit the characters, you know, again and again. And that's what makes, I mean, there's a real hunger for series from teenagers. They want, you know, I'm always getting asked about sequels. Everybody wants a sequel, you know. (laughs) So do we. I mean, we definitely appreciated the reappearance of, of Truth Squad. And well, that Dexter. was so much fun, too. I love, I'm telling you, Just Listen was kind of a hard book to write. All my books are hard, but this one was particularly hard. So when I brought, when Dexter and Remy showed back up, I could have just left with them. You know, when they were, yeah. I could have just followed them out the door and been happy and left everybody else where they were for a while. Cause, but it's, that's the nice thing is, you know, that's sort of the middle ground for me that there's there are so many, you know, I hear from a lot of girls that really want sequels, and so... Rather than doing a sequel, you know, it's a fun way to bring some people back just to let people know that everything's okay and, you know, Dexter and Romy are still together and, you know, yeah. it makes people happy. So. Yeah. And I know wanting sequels is one thing, but your books are pretty much standalone as they are. There's no need for a sequel. I, yeah. Sometimes I think that, I mean, it's nice to know that Dexter and Remy are still together, but you don't really need to know that to, exactly. to really love this all by and want to read it again and again. And you hope that, as a writer, you hope that you've done well enough by your characters that you can leave them, you know, at the end of the book and feel like they're all right and you left them in a good place. And and I haven't read a whole lot of sequels that I've really, really liked as much as the original, so I think that scares me a little bit, too. So. <laughs> yeah. Although there's some out there. Like, I love the um, the Megan McCafferty. I was just thinking <laughs> of those, actually. She, she has a new one coming it. out really yes. soon as well. April 11th. I'm, yeah. so I'm a huge Megan McCafferty fan. I'm just, I'm hoping I might get to meet her at some point. I just die. But um, maybe we should arrange something. Here I mean, so that's we definitely also next on my her. list. Publicists <laughs> well, to have track emailed, down. But we may actually get to meet in person at some point, which would be great. But I think she's done so well with those books that you know you really are eager to find out what is going to happen to that character next. next definitely time. have a lot of love for Jessica Darling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Our listeners might not know about these things, but they should. But they should. <laughs> so, I mean, speaking about girls um, contacting you and asking for sequels, I mean, do you, do you feel like the audience you imagine as you're writing, or do you even ima- imagine an audience as you're writing? Do you feel like they're similar to the audience that you actually have, and has your idea of your audience changed over the course of however many seven seven books that you've written? I don't know if if, if my idea of them has changed, but I think I'm more aware of them, you know, and and part Mm -hmm. of that is just over time, you know, you do hear from more people. Part of it is my website and my online journal and everything. So I hear from a lot of people, you know, like they're not hesitant to let me know what they think. Like even right now, like Just Listen isn't supposed to come out until Thursday, but it's been showing up in some bookstores early. And I'm already getting people weighing in and telling me, you know, oh, I love the book. And somebody else wrote in and was like, oh, I was disappointed. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Well, they obviously you know, like, need to I be indoctrinated to. With, with Freeform Radio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's kind of hard, you know, but I definitely am aware of, of them. And more not wanting to let them down. I think when, when you're lucky enough to have a really enthusiastic reading base, you want to, you know, you want to make sure that you just don't disappoint them. So I'm, I'm aware of that when I'm writing now, definitely, that each time I'm, I'm hoping to do better than the last one. 
I don't think you have to worry about disappointing anyone. I hope not. You know, it, this is the worst time as a writer when you're waiting for your book to come out. It's just excruciating. <laughs> you know, there's just not a lot you can do other than sit around the house and, you know, totally. Well, we've got your back, so don't worry. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think are the most pressing issues young women face, and do you um, consciously try to address these issues when you're writing a book? Well, I mean, I think there, there are a lot, obviously there are lots of issues, and um, I, I feel like I've covered some of them over time. You know, I did, you know, I covered, you know, the domestic violence thing with my book, Dreamland, and, and I've done sort of more what they call issue books, you know, like they always, everyone has said that Dreamland's an issue book. But I think that the themes that I'm more interested in are sort of wider reaching. I've been really into this perfectionism theme for the last two books, actually. Um, both the truth about forever and just listen. And I got a lot of that from teaching at U. I teach. I taught at U. I teach. <laughs> I taught at UNC. You can tell I've been away. Taught um, at UNC Chapel Hill up until this year, um, undergraduates. And I saw so many um, students, girls in particular, that were so driven and pushing themselves so hard to make like perfect grades and have like you know the perfect GPA and the perfect extracurricular curriculars. I can't talk and all these things. And I really sort of wanted to do something with that because I have a little bit of that perfectionist gene in me as well. And I think a lot of girls get this message from the media and, you know, from a lot of places of this sort of effortless perfection. You're supposed to be able to do everything and make it look so easy and and just, you know, be gorgeous and and be incredibly smart and and be the perfect daughter and all these things. And and I feel like it's really prevalent. I saw a lot of it in my students, and, and I really wanted to address that. So that's something that I've covered, you know, the last couple of books. Yes, a couple questions related to that would be um, what it's like teaching, because you teach, um, I I take it, undergraduates, correct? And then writing for people that are not that much younger, or as it turns out, exactly the same age or older, um, if you're thinking about Sarah and I. My name's Molly, by the way, if anyone's listening. I haven't said that yet, have I? (laughs) And and her secret friend, um, who shall go nameless. And um, what was the other thing I was thinking about? Um, do you think of your books as more descriptive of a situation that girls are in or as an educational um, sort of exploration for them about how they may be looking at the way they think about themselves in a different way? Right. Well, I think as far as the the first part of your question about um, teaching, it definitely was helpful, although a lot of my students, I found, weren't reading my (laughs) my books because they didn't, you know, I think a lot of times people in college, you know, they're not interested in reading books that Mm -hmm. they think are being marketed towards, you know, teens Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, But as the years went on, I had more and more people that had read my books when they were in high school coming Mm -hmm. into my class and knowing who I was and everything, so that was kind of... But but there were a lot of the same issues. I mean, being on a college campus, you're you're surrounded by a lot of the same issues that I was writing about. You know, the relationship issues and the friends issues, and everyone's living in really close quarters. You know, so it's like that sort of everything is that much more intense. Was my impression the stories I heard about you know roommates and best friends and people breaking up and all kinds of drama and everything. So that was definitely helpful. But as far as educational or what the books, I mean, the, the thing that I, the, the greatest compliment I get is when I hear from girls and they say, this book is just like my life. You know, the, me and my best friend, we're just like these two girls in this book, and, and it's just like my school. Because I feel like, you know, if I can write a story that they can relate to, then they can take what they want to take from it, you know, and they may walk away feeling differently about something. It may not be a message that's going to, you know, hit them over the head and be real obvious, but it may be something that, they walk away thinking, you know, maybe I don't have to be perfect 100% of the time, or maybe I can't control everything that happens to me, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah I think that it's definitely maybe one of the, I mean, it's not the very best thing. I don't know what the very best thing about your books are. 
We're really big fans. We're not just saying this because we're interviewing you. Um, <laughs> That's so nice. Um, but that, you know, there are messages in, in it, but it doesn't hit you over the head. It's not didactic. You know, you feel, sometimes I feel like when I look at young adult fiction um, or even fiction for even younger girls, maybe 11, 12, which is what I tend to focus on more, um, you see either things that are just totally fantastic, something like a gossip girl or uh, um, like a fantasy book that just doesn't really have much in it that you can take away from it or books that are obviously trying to teach you something and it's nice to have a book that's real and maybe deals with things in a realistic way that you can stomach when you're sensitive to other people telling you what to do at that age. Exactly. I mean, no one likes to be preached to, you know, and and no one likes to, I mean, some people do, obviously, but, you know, no one wants to be preached to by me, is what I mean. (laughs) And I don't feel like I'm in a position to do that anyway. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm still figuring things out myself. So, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, that's what I like about a good book or a book that I really get into is that I I leave the book feeling like maybe I'm looking at something in my own life a little bit differently. And, And that's, that's a good thing. Do you have anything you want to do? Um, I'm dominating the conversation. I know. I know. I'm failing uh, I because of my cold. I mean, speaking about taking something away, one thing I've noticed, and I, Sarah and I talked about this before, is that your books are very realistic. The characters tend to be realistic. They seem like people that you might know. But sometimes it seems like relationships, I mean, obviously not in Dreamland or... Um, or is it someone like you, the one with the boy that gets in a car accident? Oh, yeah. Um, it sometimes seems like relationships are idealized and boys turn out to be nicer than boys generally are, in my experience. Right. <laughs> and I was just wondering, do you think that they actually exist and, and maybe girls just aren't seeing them because they're too busy looking for maybe the what they see as the more shallow maybe markers like of Will dating? Cash. Yeah. Or Rogerson. Um, do you think, or is it just maybe your idea of what? girls want right I think that's a, that's a really or good question want. and I, I think too it's it's hard for me because you know I like a happy ending you know and you know I think in someone like you when you know I ended the book with with Haley sort of walking away by herself you know and 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 not being with Macon and not being with anybody you know that at the time I got so many emails from people that were like but she's supposed to end up with Macon like there were so many people that wanted that ending you know but to me that was the perfect ending for Haley you know mm. but I think that since since then, I definitely have sort of veered more towards making things happy in the end. And maybe that's just me getting older and feeling more cynical. Like well, you are married, aren't you? Yeah. What's that? You're married, right? Yeah, I am. So, so there you go. Yeah. You I had mean, your happy ending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's a good point. Like, I hear from a lot of people that are like, boys don't like this, don't exist. And it's so <laughs> idealized. And, it, and it's true. But, I mean, again, I'm thinking to myself as a reader, like, I like a happy ending in a book. <laughs> you know, I mean, I do. I don't want to invest a whole lot of time in a book and then not be... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's feel good at the end. I mean, yeah. I, maybe that makes me a shallow writer. No. It probably does. But. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it feels organic um, right. because the characterizations. I mean, there are boys like that. I know them. We, we have a couple of friends like that, maybe. Probably but, just because but, you know, teaching. nobody's perfect. And I think, yeah. you, as an adult, you know that, you know, even Wes, you know, with the industry, even Dexter is going to have a day where you're just going to want to wring his neck. You know, like, <laughs> like maybe multiple days. Like maybe multiple <laughs> times, you know, and maybe, and that's just how it is, you know. And, and I tried to do that, like, with Just Listen with Owen. You know, in a way, Owen has, he has more flaws, I think, than some of the other boys in my books. Because he's, I mean, the point that we meet him, he's still working on it. You know, he's, yeah. but he's, he's come away from a lot of that stuff. And, but he still has his moments, you know. And I think that, you know, it's, it, it's, you want people to be human, but at the same time, you know, 
I read a lot of the kind of books, you know, you want to finish and be like, oh, you know, like a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it did seem like Owen maybe had more issues to deal with, and the book focused as not as much, but more on what Owen was going through than some of the other books have focused on what the male protagonist yeah, or male of a, went through. They work through things together as opposed to, yeah, you know, he helps her get over her issues. Exactly. Have you right. thought about maybe, um, or have you tried writing in a way where it's not just the one female protagonist, you know, first person or not, but more of a um, story of two people right. where you focus I'm, a little bit more on the boy when maybe the girl's not there? Because it right. seems like well, your male characters are really interesting in and of themselves. I just, I, you know, I've, I've tried that. I did one novel many, many years ago that nobody ever saw that was an alternating um, male, female. And it just, I had a really hard time with it. And I think it's that I'm, I can do the male characters from the outside, but it's like, it's hard to kind of get into their heads. And I think part of that is that when I was in high school, you know, we never knew what guys were thinking. You know, we, we were like, what does that mean? Like, we had no idea. Like, we, we only could take them at face value what they were saying. But we would we spend a lot of time sitting around discussing, like, what does that mean? We don't know. It was like, there was a whole another language so i think there's a part of me that's hesitant to think that i could actually put myself inside you know the head of a boy and really be able to do justice you know whereas and i think you know as a writer you play to your strengths and i know that i can do the girl's voice so and i'm just real comfortable in first person so that's sort of what i've done but never say never you know i think Mm -hmm. especially now that this is my seventh book i mean Eventually, I'm going to have to start doing things that are a little bit different or else, you know, I'm going to get bored and then the readers are definitely going to get bored. So I never rule anything out. You never know. Yeah. Um, in terms of moving on from your current um, style of writing, do you, I, I've read in some interviews that you've written books for adults. Um, have you thought about maybe moving more toward adult chiclet or are you trying to write um, some other genre of books or what, what kind of things are you thinking about going into, if anything at all? Well, I think, yeah, I think my, the stuff that I haven't been able to sell for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, that no one has liked other than me, has been, um, it has been more of a chiclet kind of thing. And I think if I do anything, it would probably be, there would probably be a lot like my books now, except the narrators would just be older and dealing with different things, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, a lot has happened to me since I was in high school. You know, I'm 35, I'm married, you know. I mean, I, a lot, there are a lot of things that I would like to write about. So, you know, I think if anything happens in terms of me switching or doing something different, it, it wouldn't be a radical shift. It wouldn't be that I would suddenly be writing, you know, a vampire goth novel because that's just not. Whoa, me. you should totally do that. <laughs> I mean, because I just totally don't, or you know, something about aliens. I just couldn't do it because first of all, I'm way too lazy to do that kind of research, <laughs> and second of all, it's just not me. You know, I mean, when I was in college and, and I was here at UNC in the writing program, I remember being in like our year-long writing seminar, senior year, and. Everybody was writing these incredibly serious stories, you know, that were like, you know, dark trees against the dark sky. (laughs) They were really literary, and I got really intimidated because I was writing all these stories about the prom, and everybody thought I was just stupid. So I tried to write like that, and it was just just ridiculous, you know, because (laughs) that's just not what I am. And I think you, I've learned to play to my strengths. Like, obviously, this kind of voice and this kind of age group at this point, you know, works for me. But I, I don't think I'll be doing this forever. I don't think I'll ever give it up entirely. If I if I keep having good ideas that I think will work for young adult, I'll definitely write them. But I think eventually, you know, my narrators are going to have to grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're listening to WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. We're here with Sarah Dessen, author of the new book, Just Listen. Um, so you've been located in Chapel Hill for a long time? Is that- yes, my and whole life. There's a strong music scene there. Um, 
Is spinnerbait based on any one band? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you know, the people that I know here in Chapel Hill would tell you that I am so ignorant when it comes to local bands. Like, <laughs> even though I've lived here my whole life, probably and even when I worked health. at the Flying Burrito with, like, everybody I worked with was in a band, and I was, like, the writer, and they all thought that was so cute and everything. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not one that has been out on the local music scene all that much. I mean, I knew a few people that were, but no, they weren't based on anybody. I just was thinking, you know... I just love my my husband and his, one of his friends were really into bass fishing a few years back, and they were always talking about their different, you know, lures, and I guess <laughs> Finner Bay, you know, and I just thought that that's would a be a great name, name for a band, and so that's where it came from. <laughs> it's just like, you know, and it's fun to make up bands. I had fun with that and just listen to it. It's just like a fun thing to do, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm not very versed in, in the local music scene. I know a few people, you know, I know a few people, I, I know a couple of people that were in Super Chunk, and i no, some people from the Squirrel Nut Zippers and, you know, some of the bands that have gone on to really make a big name. And Dexter in um, this lullaby was sort of named as, you know, a way of acknowledging Dexter Romweber, who was a really well-known musician from Chapel Hill who's still around here and um, I think about to have some big comeback. There's a documentary about him. But, but when I was in, like, junior high school and high school, Don, Dexter Romweber was, like, a local legend. He was in a band called the Flat Duo Jets. Mm-hmm. So, um so that was that's where Dexter got his name anyway. <laughs> so we've noticed that throughout <laughs> your book, our theory about there's life. one band that is Shows up. always there that is not fictitious, that is Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, and the no, nice guys listen to them, and the like mean guys Floyd. listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, is Pink did, did, does some member of Pink Floyd, you know, is to is you your represent uncle? the alpha male or something? <laughs> I just listened to a lot of Pink Floyd when I was in high school. Draw the conclusions that you will. But, you know, to be in, in total honesty, my senior quote was from a Pink Floyd song. Oh, yes. Just to give you an idea of the kind of person that I am. Yeah. So, that so that's why, and I think it's it, it's just that we listened to a lot of classic rock in high school. I mean, this was like the late '80s, so it, it wasn't like good. a lot of the newer music coming out was that. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even remember like what was all that current because we listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin and a lot of Pink Floyd, and yeah, I mean, I can't, I really can't listen to Pink Floyd now. Though. Like when I <laughs> when I hear it, I just it just I'm like, oh, it's just I sort of I've done it, and I just don't want to. I don't want to hear it now. Yes, but you, it, you it acknowledge does, your love in, through, through your literature. <laughs> I know, exactly. But I hear from people that are like, yeah, Pink Floyd, you know, so they're definitely, Pink, Pink Floyd people are out there. They're you realize that there. you're influencing a generation of Pink Floyd fans now. That's right. Well, you know, <laughs> there's worse music you could be listening oh, to. Oh, for sure. Than Pink yeah, Floyd. for sure. But, yeah, Spinnerbait. <laughs> Spinnerbait, exactly. I, hate I hear from people who think that Spinnerbait and True Squad are real bands. Oh, man. You know, oh, and man. want to know know like where they can find true squad maybe we should do something you, you should put together something like a monkeys tour type thing right. where you put together a truth squad and a spinner bait and they go on to open up for your reading. i know well i thought about doing like a website for a true squad that would just lead to my website we'll do it for you. <laughs> anybody went we'll looking it. for them there'd be like a front page and if you clicked on you know tour dates there would be my book tour dates. <laughs> yeah. but i think people would be really disappointed if they came looking for dexter and it was me but. He has a girlfriend. He's taken. Exactly. Um, exactly. So just give it up, girls. <laughs> yes. Are you active at all in academic research, getting back to serious questions? Oh, no, no. Okay. Um, I, I taught in the um, creative writing program at UNC, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it. I was there for eight years, but um, 
I've taken, I took this past year off and I'm taking next year off too. So I'm just focusing on writing now. I love teaching and I, I love UNC. I'm a total, like, I totally, you know, love everything about Carolina. But it was just time to focus on. I'd never just been a writer. You know, I'd, I went from waiting tables and writing to teaching and writing. So this is like the only time in my life I've ever been just a writer. So it's real nice. Um, when you were teaching, what kind of crucial ideas about writing did you emphasize to your students? Well, is there I some sort of formula you have? The formula. <laughs> the magic, the magic formula. Patented formula. Is there a formula? I wish there was a formula. Um, I really, I taught intro more than anything, which was a really fun thing to teach because you get, it, it, it's, it fills a requirement, but it's also the beginning of the creative writing program. So you got a whole mix of people. You know, you got people that were, wanted to be writers and were incredible, and you got people that didn't want to write at all but just wanted to take the class for fun. You know, like, they, so it was a great mix for me. And, and the best advice I gave my students is just to keep, to, to read, for starters. You'd be surprised how many people want to be writers that don't read, you know. To read as much as you can get your hands on, because that's really the only way that you learn. But also just to write as much as, as they could and to really just keep pushing. I think for a lot of my students, they had come from high schools where there was so much emphasis on the writing test and on writing essays for the test and for um, the SAT and all that stuff. They had a really hard time making the transition to writing fiction because they had to sort of break all their own rules. They wouldn't use any contractions, for starters. And I would say, you know, this is dialogue. <laughs> Nobody talks like this. <laughs> yeah. You know, Good you're evening, allowed to use contractions. Um, so you kind of have to break a lot of the habits that have been sort of ingrained in you by all of um, these very well-meaning teachers, you know, who are trying to prepare you for what's, you know, what's coming up. But as far as the formula, I found that a lot of students had a hard time with that. You know, one of the, the main thing you did in my class was write one short story, finally. That was, like, the big thing, and then we workshopped them. And people would come in my office and say, I don't know how to do this, you know. And I'd say, well, just sit down and write, you know. And they'd be like, but, but then what? You know, like, can you, is there, like, is there a formula, you know? Is there an outline? Can you help me, you know? <laughs> and I'd be like, no. You know, I mean, you have to just kind of, I'd help them as much as I could, and I'd sort of throw ideas out at them and everything. But then, then you're kind of on your own. I think that's the scariest thing about writing is that there is no right or wrong way to do it. You just have to kind of figure it out for yourself. And that's, that can be very intimidating, even if, if you're beginning or if you're even if you're me and you have seven books published. You know, when I sit down to start a new book, I'm scared to death. That's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also sort of thrilling at the same time. Mm-hmm. You're listening to WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. We're here with Sarah Dessen, author of the new book, Just Listen. Do you feel like technology brings you closer to fans or causes, because um, I guess when you started writing, there probably wasn't as much of a link between you and fans through, you know, live journal and things like that. Mm-hmm. And now that they can just, you know, go on your live journal and post all these things telling you how they feel about you, like they're your best friend. Do you feel like that affects your writing at all? Does it feel different to be a writer now than it did when you started? I think there is more of an immediacy. I mean, when I first started, you know, I was down here in North Carolina and I would, my book would come out and I would go do a couple of readings and a few people would turn up, you know, some teenagers would turn up, but I never had any idea who was reading my books or how many people were reading my books or anything, you know. So it definitely brings your readers closer to you. You hear just, you get a lot more feedback from from readers and from teachers who are signing the books in their classes and from librarians and everything. It opens up, you know, this whole world. And it, it's really great, but at the, at the same time, it gets to a point, at least with me, where I sometimes have to just turn all that off, you know, like, and just focus on the writing. Because, you know, when I'm working on a book, I'm very secretive. I never tell anyone what I'm working on until it's totally done. And 
and, and it's hard to sort of be getting a lot of input, even if people don't know what I'm working on, but just this kind of, well, you should be doing this, or what about this? Or, you know, it's like, you just have to, ah, you know, just stop. And, and I, I'm like addicted to communication. I'm one of these people, like, I always am checking my email, you know, it's just awful. So I have to really make myself, you know, walk away from the computer, you know, not just disconnect the wireless connection and just sit there and write and not think as much about, you know, what everybody's expecting or what they would want, or even like I said about the person who wrote in today and said, you know, well, I read your book and it disappointed me, and, you know, I wouldn't have known that without the internet, <laughs> probably, you know, but yeah, I, guess I only do, your fans would so, show up. yeah, so, you yeah. know, it's like, it's my own fault, so that's, it's, that's the flip side of it. Do you read the live journals of any of your fans? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, it's funny because um, I don't know how much you guys know about live journal, but you can be oh, friends. You know about you know. live journal. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how I, I've gotten a lot of people say, you know, you have all these people that have friended you and you only have a few friends. But if I've friended everybody that's friended me, I wouldn't do anything but read live journals all day long. You know, like, because I, you know, I really would just, and I, I, I know myself and I would get really caught up in all these people's lives and be unable to extract myself. So really the only people that are on my friends list are either related to me or people I know well. Um, so, because when I started, all my younger cousins were on live journal and that's how I, how they sort of got me on there. So, but I do, I read a lot of live journals, just uh, if they're not on my friends list, but I, I read a lot, actually, and I read a lot of other blogs. I just, I find it fascinating, you know, it's just, it's so interesting, you know, I can do, have the most boring day and like, you know, just go to the dry cleaner, but I can read about somebody else doing the exact same thing, and I think it's just the coolest, you know, I don't know why that is. Have you thought about pulling in Meg Cabot and writing maybe a blog novel? Uh, I don't think so. I think that would, I don't know. Because, yeah, I don't know. I, I think she's really whatever. good at that. Like, she's really good at, at working in the technology. But for me, I think I need a break between all of that and then what I'm actually doing. I think it would be hard for me to have be doing it at the same time. <laughs> this might be a little too much to take. Okay. I guess um, we should probably talk about the book. <laughs> Since, I mean, we should use this as, as a way to... Um, promote you as opposed to just how you feel about writing so they can right. actually well, find out yeah. what you write. True. <laughs> True. Um, so just listen, just to give a little intro, is a novel about um, dealing with, I don't, know, I don't know, I can't do the synopsis thing, try Sarah, where, where you don't actually tell people what happens. Right, it's really right. hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's this girl and she meets this guy and it's like really hard. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I am the worst. Let me tell you the synopsis of this lullaby. There's this girl and she meets this guy. guy. It's really hard. I always joke that, like, and nobody ever wants to ask me what the books are about because my explanations go on for 20 minutes. And by the time (laughs) I'm done, nobody cares. But they always start with, so it's about this girl. Like, that's how it starts. And then 20 minutes later, no one cares any longer. You know, my editor writes the synopsis that actually goes out everywhere. And you can tell that I don't write it because it's very concise and, you know, it gets to the point quickly, which is not my strong suit. (laughs) So maybe the synopsis of Just Listen is that it's about a girl who's feeling (laughs) isolated from both her friends and family and... Uh, through, like over the course of the novel, uh, you know, comes out of her self-constructed shell and opens herself up to, you know, being more honest with herself and others. Right. That's, That's very really good. good. See? You should totally be. <laughs> when I was Sarah. first like 
trying to explain what the book was about, I just kept saying to people, it's about a girl who's conflict-adverse who meets a boy in anger management. Because that sort of just sums it all up. <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, that sounds good. That's, yeah. But that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what actually is in the book. But it's just a good pitch. You know, it's like, well, there you have it. But, yeah, I think the book is a lot. It's A lot of it is about, you know, being honest and about enduring things, you know, and, and um that if you are always avoiding things that frighten you, you know, you'll never do anything. And that, so I think a lot of what goes on with Annabelle in the book is that, you know, at the beginning of the book, she's sort of completely walled herself off from everyone to prevent anything from happening that's unexpected. But then she learns that, you know, in order to sort of move past where she is, she has to go through a certain amount of things that she's been keeping at arm's length. And, and Owen helps her do that. And you know, I like that she's honest with him, but also with herself. It's not just about the love story. You know, it's not just about the boy. It's about herself as well. Do you think that a lot of girls identify with your protagonists or simply recognize them as, you know, friends of theirs or even sisters of theirs? I think that there are some that definitely identify. I mean, I think you don't have to have everything in common, you know, to feel a connection. I mean, obviously, you know, I hope that my characters are unique people. I don't think there's you know, anybody that you would meet and say, oh, I'm just like them, you know, exactly, you know, because, of course, you're not. But I think what you want to do as a writer is you want your narrator, you want all of your characters, but particularly the narrator, to be, you know, real enough that people can see things that that they relate to. So even if a girl is reading this book and, and what happened to Annabelle didn't happen to her, but she may say, you know, I have problems with telling my mom how I really feel, you know, or I have a really contentious relationship with my sister that I can't talk to her about, or things like that. You know, you can sort of pick and choose. There, there are lots of different things going on that you may or may not, you know, connect with. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like there's, you know, parts of all of your characters that I can relate to. Um, but at the same time, they don't come across as, like, you know, overly problematized, these girls. <laughs> like, right. when you think about it like this, it's like all of these girls have so many you know, different things plaguing them. But when you read the books, it's not like, oh, my gosh, look at this girl with all of these issues. Right. It really comes off as um, natural. Well, I, I hope so. You know, I mean, I think, as a, like I said, as a reader, you don't want to be depressed, for starters. Like, I hate I hate when I devote a lot of time to reading a book and then it ends on a depressing note and I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> there was three days of my life, you know, like, I'm not getting for those back. But, you know, I mean, I think that it, it's nice if you can, you know, see the character for being, like, a real person with flaws, but also, you know, that regardless, like, I think some of these issue books that I read in YA sometimes, they're so focused on the issue, you know, that everything else that is happening just doesn't really get addressed. And I think that, you know, even when I was a teenager, you know, it didn't matter. My mom wasn't like a stock character to me, you know, like she was a real person, you know, that I had my own problems with and everything. And I think you can't ignore the fact that everything is unique to each person. So, you know, I, when I read books and characters are just kind of glossed over, well, so, you know, it's not a book about the parents, it's about this. But, you know, the parents still have to be real, too, and the friends still have to be real. You know, everybody has to have their own personality. Um, how do you get ideas for the be- sort of backstories or backgrounds um, in your books? Like, in this, it's a community radio station somewhat um, in Truth About Forever. It's catering business and, um, you know, statuary. <laughs> like, <laughs> What? Well, I was just joking. Oh, I, was just joking. Um, I, I mean, is this just something that comes to you from the characters, or do you, you know, see or listen to a community radio station and say, wow, that's really interesting, I should work that in somehow? Or Right. 
Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, some of it is that when I just find things that are interesting to me that I think would be fun to write about, I can always tell when I think about something, I'm like, oh, that would be cool, you know, to do that. But I definitely draw a lot of inspiration just from around me. You know, um, the sculptures that Wes makes in The Truth About Forever were sort of inspired. There's a, there's a guy locally here in Carborough who has all these amazing metal sculptures in his front yard. He lives right in downtown Carborough, so you're driving by, and they're all spinning in the wind and everything. So that's where some of that came from. And Carborough has a community radio station, which while I was working on this book, when I first started it, they were just sort of getting up and running. And um, so I, I drove by them every day on my way in and out of town, and I always was thinking, well, that would be kind of interesting. You know, I was curious about that. I actually went in once the book was done and sat in on a shift one night with this really nice woman who sort of just, just so I could get a sense for what, you know, because I didn't really know, <laughs> just to get a sense of how radio stations work and everything. So some of it is just stuff that interests me. But other things, you know, they serve the character better. You know, I knew that with Remy and this lullaby, like I needed to, I wanted her to have sort of, an issue with her father, and he was a musician, so I knew that I wanted the boy that she met to be a musician, you know. But then a lot of the other stuff that came from, like, True Squad and everything was just sort of fun to write about, so that's where that came from. Cool. Um, so you're going to be in Ann Arbor later this month. Yeah. Um, I think it's April 22nd. That sounds right. I don't it's have the schedule Nicholas right at Nicholas Books. And, you know, we'd be more than happy to... Uh, Give you a tour of our radio station <laughs> at that time. <laughs> if you want to play a guest set. I guess if you could play a guest set on a radio station. I know you say you're not into music, and I know it won't include Pink Floyd, but that's all I know. <laughs> what, what would it be, you know, if you got a 15-minute, 30-minute set? Oh, goodness. Well, the thing is, I am into music. I'm, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not very um, knowledgeable about local music. Oh. I mean, and, and by saying that I am not knowledgeable about local music, I am comparing myself to the majority of to people. To the members of Super Because then you're probably pretty knowledgeable. Very, very knowledgeable. <laughs> but I, you know, I love music. I have very, I, when I was younger, I used to be so embarrassed about my musical taste because I feel like I, my friends were much more into alternative, you know, kind of stuff. And here I was with my, you know, Spice Girls CD or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> I, I've sort of become more liberated and more, I'm less ashamed of my music stuff. Um, well, let me think. Gosh, this, see, I get very high fidelity when people ask me for any kind of list. I'm like, you don't have to list. I mean, but that's, I mean, that's kind of what. Tying it into, I mean, we're, we, you're, you wrote about a community radio station. We're here at a student-run radio station that does free-form music, right. which if, if you're listening and you don't know, because you just love Sarah Dessen and had no idea what WCBN was, um, <laughs> is playing lots of different genres of music, however you feel, and trying to put it together in a set that maybe means something to you and hopefully other people. A lot of it is just off the top of my head, I got here, I have five minutes, what am I going to pick? Right. You know, so you just go and grab and play and hope that other people like it as much as you do. And I think that's that's it has a lot to do with the book too. You know, this mm-hmm. idea that there's no right and wrong. You know, you like what you like. I mean, and I've always had when I used to make mixtapes and mix CDs, mixtapes. I'm dating myself there, but like, you know, for my friends that they were always like, it's so weird. Like you go from, you know, I'd have like Tom Waits, you know, because I love Tom Waits, and then I'd have, you know, the Spice Girls. <laughs> right <laughs> Sounds now. like Sarah's show. Hey. I mean, Sarah's show. People would just be like, you need to have more of a transition in between. <laughs> And you're like, no, the transition is that I like both those songs. <laughs> I like, that's what they have in common. I mean, I, I definitely like all kinds of music. I really like top 40 music. Like right now, I'm really oh, into too. Kelly Clarkson, which is embarrassing in some small way. Um, Since You've Been Gone is the only song I've ever karaoke'd. <laughs> um, and I'm probably going to, you know, do that same song again. <laughs> I, you know, but like I said, I'm I'm a big, big Tom Waits fan, Um I just love his music. I think Rain Dogs, if I had to pick a favorite album of all time, it would probably be Rain Dogs. Um, 
but also I like sort of old school country music. I've been listening to a lot of Johnny Cash lately. I know everyone has been listening to a lot of Johnny Cash, but you know, I've, it's always I've been, okay to listen to lots. It's of Johnny always Cash. okay. I don't think you have to, especially explain. when you're listening to Johnny Cash and thinking about Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is sort of a different level of Johnny Cash. Isn't it? It's a whole different experience. Yeah. I guess to us, he's always been this old man, and then suddenly we realized he used to be young and attractive, and That's everything right. changed. Extremely hot. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> this is obvious. And I would probably pick some Led Zeppelin too, because I'm I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. And I, you know, that's music that I listened to in high school that I still like to listen to. For some reason, Pink Floyd, I can't. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I like Led Zeppelin. But you know, I've I've i since I've gotten an iPod, I'm telling you that has really changed a lot of the ways that I sort of listen to music and you know buy music and and it, it does make it more eclectic, you know, because you just have all these different songs, you know, and you can just let it kind of shuffle set it on shuffle and it's like yeah, it's like everything that you like all jumbled together in this great big stew i just think it's great <laughs> is there anything that we didn't you didn't get to say that you really wanted everyone to know i don't think so i think i'm just happy to be asked to be on <laughs> i mean you can call my show well, every you should week be. <laughs> yeah. i am very excited no the the invitation to guest gj is, is seriously open if you're interested oh my gosh i would totally love to do that yeah so I, I, you know, I think that I think that would be a really, really fun thing to do. And we can I record see. it and put it on your website. Well, I put together a playlist actually for just listen, just oh. the music that I was listening to <laughs> when I was writing the book. Well, you should so, give it to us so we can play yeah. that music. I will, with your if you want, I will send you. If you give me an email address, I'll send you a link to that. I put the iMix up on iTunes too, so people oh, could okay. buy it okay. if they wanted to. Okay. But, um, well, but I would be happy to send you the link. We'll so. give that to you after we're off the air. So that we don't all get emails. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You probably don't want to give out your email, over, yeah. mm. but you know. So that was a fun way to kind of, and, and I know a lot of writers have been doing that. Like these mm-hmm. are the songs that inspire the book, or these are the songs that you know mm. I was listening to while I was working on it. So. It seems especially appropriate for this book, though. Exactly. As opposed to exactly. some other ones I've seen. Thank you, Sarah Dessen, for letting us interview you here on WCBN 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. It's been great, and the invitation to do a um, set on the air is open to you at any point in time, whether we're here or not anymore. Years from now, we'll make it happen. I would love that. <laughs> we're looking forward to meeting you at the end of the month when you're in town. <laughs> we'll know us because we'll be the oldest people there without children. With <laughs> <laughs> we can hire a child for the day. <laughs> I can bring my cousin. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you. Free Speech Radio News is a nationally syndicated daily progressive newscast started in 2000 by striking reporters from Pacifica Network News. Pacifica Network News is now defunct, and Free Speech Radio News has taken its place in the programming of all five Pacifica Network stations and approximately 50 community radio stations in the U.S., including WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. WCBN airs Free Speech Radio News weekdays at 5.30 p.m. You can also find Free Speech Radio News at www.fsrn.org. As always, feedback about Free Speech Radio News or any other part of WCBN's programming is welcome at programming at wcbn.org or by voicemail 734-763-3535.
is king of the media. I suppose our youngsters would say cornball or square. And now, CBN Radio brings you... All the broadcast uh, uh, media can do. You give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. It's delicious and nutritious. Bite-sized and ready to eat. It's made with real egg formula. And here's a nice-looking record package in from New York. I woke up this morning with WCBN. America's ace of the airwaves. This instrument is good for nothing but to entertain, amuse, and insulate. And we will soon see that the whole struggle is lost. And believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia press. WCBN FM Ann Arbor BN FM WCBN FM WCBN FM Ann Arbor WCBN FM Ann Arbor WCBN FM Ann Arbor A very pleasant, peaceful feeling. You relax deeper and deeper each downward count of my voice ten. Relaxing deeper, nine, letting the body gently begin to sink deeper, eight. Eight point three. Yes, it's like a, a push-button radio, you see. Twenty-four hours a day. Whether you like it or not. Oh, we're limited to a 500-mile radius now, but we're working to extend that limit. Hensick is there, puts it out in front, shot attempt by Turnbull, he scores! Travis Turnbull took a bouncing puck in front and knocks it in the net. Wolverines extend that lead, it's now 3-1. to one. Eight seconds left to go, he was up it into neutral ice. Five seconds.